0: Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. As this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10:10. 10, 10. And today we continue in a series called Master Plan and far too often our plans are messed up and mixed up because we're aiming at the wrong target. Pastor Sean Azaro wants you to consider how you will readjust your sights on the way to God's master plan. Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. But please, if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, we hope you do, there's a place to give at reallife.org. Today's part two of the message called Working the Plan, put a marker in Jeremiah 29. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio.
1: Do you know there are life-giving relationships and then there are life-draining relationships, right? We understand the difference. God wants to give you life-giving relationships that help you as you follow Him and that help you in the pursuit of His master plan. Do you know He also wants you to be a life-giving relationship? He wants you to be that kind of relationship for someone else, for others around you. Are we strategic in that as well? i like hanging out with these folks. You know, they don't bother me too much, so it's good. We hang out. See, God has a whole lot more than that for our relationships. And every one of these things, they involve decisions every day. What are we going to do with our money? What are we going to do in our work? What are we going to do with the family? Who are we going to hang out with? When are we going to go to dinner? What are we going to do? All those are decisions. And remember, building the master plan happens one decision at a time. So the question is, how do we make decisions according to his master plan? Let me give you a few ways real quickly this morning. Number one, seek God's plan for every area of your life. Seek his plan for every single area, not just the what we consider the sacred areas, but it's time to say, "Okay, Lord, I, you know, maybe even sitting here listening, you go, okay, I believe you. I, I, I think you're probably right. God probably has more for me at work than just to kind of get through the day, do the job, and go home. Because that's just His spirit's in me. I'm there. He's given me gifts and talents. He probably has something bigger. I'm going to seek His plan." for my professional life. I'm going to seek his career, his his plan, his goal, his leadership in my career. And there's a that's a proactive step that we seek his plan for every area of our life. For our family, we're going to begin to actually get in the word and find out what he says about family. We're going to pray together and figure out what is it that God wants my wife and I to do in the context of our kids, or my husband and I to do in the context of our kids. How are we going to do that? As we pray with the kids, how does God want us to interact as a family? What does he have for us? We actively seek God's plan for every area of your life. Jeremiah 29, 11. Remember we read this a few few weeks ago, 29, 11 through 13. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. And I just want to say that is completely true in every single one of your lives. That's the Lord's will. That's the Lord's desire for you. Okay? Remember we also said how we do that is found in the next verses. How God actually facilitates this, how we discover that plan is the next few verses. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Listen, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. That's how we come across. That's how we align ourselves with God's master plan. Understand that seeking him and finding him is not a one-time thing. It's not just salvation. Some of us think like, well, yeah, I did. I I knew I needed a savior, and so I accepted Jesus as savior, and so now I'm done. I, I, I sought him. I found him. Thank you, Lord. He found me, and it's awesome. No. The fact is, he's saying, seek me and find me with all your heart. That's an ongoing thing. I'm still seeking him and his wisdom and greater understanding of who he is in my life. I've never led in my professional life, I've never led a congregation the next places that we're going to go. And so I desperately need him as much as the day we started this church because it's new. I've never been a grandparent of a four-year-old before. You know what? Next year, I'm going to be a grandparent of a five-year-old. You know how that works, right? I have to keep seeking him, seeking wisdom, seeking growth, seeking understanding. I've never coached adult children in parenting or been a support to them before. I need his wisdom. And so on and on it goes. Think about all those areas where we get to seek him. Look at how Jesus said it in Matthew 6, 31 through 33. He says, so, do not worry saying what we should eat, what we should drink, or what we should wear. For pagans run after these things. Your heavenly father knows that you need them. Aren't you glad for that? Your heavenly father knows that you need them. Okay? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first his kingdom, and all these things will be given to you as well. He's not saying don't eat. I'm grateful for that. He's definitely not saying don't wear clothes. Thank God for that. That's, you know, the the whole point is Jesus isn't saying don't eat. He's not saying don't have clothes or a a roof over your head, a a shelter or or transportation, a car to drive to get you to work and things. He's not saying that at all. What he's saying is don't make your life all about that. Don't organize your life around these things. Seek first the kingdom. Seek him first. And the good news is, remember he said all these things will be given to you as well. He assured us, Father knows what you need. He knows you need food. He knows you need clothes. He knows you need shelter, transportation. It's the basic needs of life. He knows we need those. He's saying, don't worry. Seek first the kingdom and all those other things will come. They'll be added to you. The problem is when we flip that around and we seek those things first, they become a curse. They get out of alignment. They be, it's, it's brokenness. We become all about the money, the house, the cars, the stuff, the symbols, instead of being about God's master plan, his place in our lives, his leadership, and then letting those things come as he brings them. The scripture assures us, he knows. You see, it's all about what we say yes to and what we say no to. You know how when I say seek God, we know how to do that, right? The word of God, prayer, godly counsel, and that's important. Seek counsel, but seek godly counsel. Because you can get a lot of different counsel. Just ask 10 different people, you get 10 different opinions. I'm talking about people you know, people in your community group, people in your fellowship, people who you know to be godly, who are going to encourage you in a godly pro- process. They're going to say, well, have you prayed about it? What's God saying? What do you think God's looking at? What does the word say about this? They're going to guide you with biblical counsel and help you connect to the master plan. So seek him in his plan. Because building the life that God's designing for you, the master plan, happens one decision at a time. Second, be prepared for God to lead and do things differently from what you thought or planned. Oh, that just got ugly, didn't it? This is where we lose people. Okay, how many planners are in the room? You got any planners? Be, be honest, step it up. Come on. Mm. Proud. Yeah, that's what. What? Well, we got two hands over there. <laughs> Stacy, I know you. you <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we got a proud planner up here. I'm keeping my hand up now in solidarity with all the planners. Yeah, um, okay, what might surprise you planners, I'm not one of you, okay? That's not like my best thing in the world. I actually like it. I'm fairly strategic, but, you know, plans can feel a little constrictive sometimes, you know, just a little bit. It's like you get too locked in. And, And let me just say to you, while that is how I feel, I am really grateful for the planners among us. You know let me just take a moment to formally thank you you you've saved my tail many times so thank you God bless you I appreciate you but as much as I value and affirm people who are plan oriented goal oriented who who are organized and they keep their eye on the ball as much as I affirm you be careful that that doesn't become an idol because that's the problem because God doesn't kind of work according to our plans God doesn't Put us in this place where our plan is, you know, sacred and he's going to fit into our plan. Be prepared for God to lead and to do things differently from what you thought a plan. Look at this passage, came across this this week. Actually, Lori sent me something, she was reading, and it had this passage in it. And it just, I thought, wow, that's a great example of what God's saying through this message. But when it pleased God who separated me, this is the Apostle Paul writing, When it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. In other words, I didn't go run and try to talk to people about how to do it or whether it was what it was. But when it pleased God, that's the part that jumped out at me. When it pleased God. Do you realize God does what he pleases when he pleases? That's all part of the whole God thing. He gets to do that. And we better remember that. When it pleased God, that's when it happened. See, he does as he pleases, and we shouldn't expect him to be bound by our preconceived ideas. This passage in Acts seventeen twenty four kind of gives us a little reminder of who's who and who's not. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. And he does not live in temples built by human hands. And he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives life and breath and everything else. Remember who's God and remember who's not. See, don't expect him to stay in your box. And we have all kinds of boxes. Oh, that book I read. That book, that defined it. I I can't tell you how many times I've read Christian biographies and afterwards I knew God was going to do exactly that in my life. And he never has i learned things. I love Christian biographies. And I've learned some great things about how God works. I've learned somebody else's testimony. But if I want to take that testimony and go, that's exactly how God works. Yeah, God doesn't do that. That class I'm taking, oh, this, I, I, I understand clearly. This is exactly how it's going to happen. No, no, it's not. Even that great testimony I heard, oh, God did something wonderful in their life. And that's awesome. I'm encouraged by it. But if I sit and go, oh, then God's going to do exactly the same thing in my life. I'm going to be disappointed because God is bigger than that class, that book, or that testimony. I can't tell you how many people have missed it or gotten wrapped around the wheel and just kind of sidelined because they can't get this idea clear. They just, certain things that they go, God wouldn't do that. God wouldn't do that. I'm like, really? The God who called Moses from a burning bush. He could have just said, hey, Moses. But instead, he drew Moses over to this burning bush, and it's like, this is just weird, the bush is burning, but it's not burning up. But as you see the encounter, and Moses keeps making excuses. I can't, God. Well, but they won't listen to me, and Pharaoh's mean, and you know I need someone else, and I'm not a good speaker, God. All the whining, the whining, the whining, and all the while this bush is burning but not burning up. It's like a living illustration. It's like God set him up. It's just beautiful. And for us, we might go, this is just weird. Why would he do that? Why does he need a burning bush? Why didn't he just say it? Because all the while, Moses is saying, God, I don't have what it takes. I don't have enough. I don't have enough. Here's this bush that shouldn't have enough to keep burning. It should have been burned up a long time ago, but it's, it becomes real obvious. This bush isn't burning on its own energy. Something else is burning here. Something else is what's keeping that flame alive. And it's like God is saying to Moses, Moses, it's not about what you have. It's not about you being burnt up. Moses, I'm going to give you what you need. Just like I'm giving this bush what it needs to burn and continually burn without burning out. I'm going to do that for you, Moses.
0: It's an illustration. And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Nazaro, the listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church, in this message called Working the Plan. series is called master plan which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org and while you're there if you've been blessed by this teaching your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others just find the give tab at reallife.org and pastor sean azaro now an author invites you to check out his brand new book podcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit-filled life.
1: I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit.
0: Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Nazaro today at Amazon or Life.org. And now the conclusion of the message, Working the Plan. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio.
1: God wouldn't do that. Well, tell Daniel that God wouldn't throw people into a lion's den because who would have thought that was going to happen? But God, i been faithful. God, I'm praying. And yet God had something bigger that he was going to do. I'm sure Daniel would have wished God could have gone about it a different way. But he didn't. How about when Pete, Remember when Peter asked about the temple tax? Because people were talking. And he was worried about the people's talk. Jesus, they're kind of asking, maybe thinking that we don't take things seriously because we don't pay the temple tax, or do we? What do we do? And Jesus, instead of just pulling a couple out of his pocket, okay, Peter, go find a fish. Peter's a fisherman, so he knows how to do this. Go get a fish and open its mouth. And the first one you get, there's going to be two coins there, enough for your tax and mine. He goes and he does it. It's like, Jesus, that was gross. The tax stunk. I mean, come on. Couldn't you just, you know, pull out your wall or couldn't maybe do a magic trick behind Peter's ear? Look, I got two, you know, something. <laughs> Why the fish? Because Jesus was showing Peter something. Jesus was showing Moses something. He was showing Daniel something. And you know, Jesus wants to show you and I something. It's not about our preconceived ideas. We expect God to do things the way we would, and sometimes he does things totally opposite for no other purpose but to remind us who's God and who's not, and so that there's no doubt who did what and who gets the glory. Jesus described a narrow gate in Matthew chapter 7. Verse 13 and 14, we see, we read, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many will enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. See, following him and his plan can at times feel like a narrow gate. But it is the gate to life and that more abundantly. That's what we were called and created for. Don't get caught going, well, everybody else has got it this way. And so God must be okay with this. That's not how he works. Building the master plan happens one decision. At a time, how are you doing on those decisions? Number three, kind of common sense, but after what we just said, but we got to say it: leave room for God to work. Leave room for God to work. We sometimes get even even following God, we fall in love with God's plan. Oh, God called me to this. Okay, this is how it's going to go. God, thank you. I appreciate the plan. I got it. I'll take care of it, God, and I'll let you know when it's done. Pray for me when you think about it, God, and send money. Beautiful. I mean, that's how we we respond. And I just want to say the point is never the plan. The point is never even the project. The point is pressing into him. Remember, you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. And so we need to hang on to these plans loosely because God wants to make sure we're following him, not just some plan that we perceive to be from him. James says it very bluntly. And, and truth be told, a couple places not terribly nice, okay? Sorry, James, but it's the truth. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money, well, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow, which, by the way, we would all in this room admit this is empirically true, right? We know that we don't know what will happen tomorrow. And then he goes on and says this. This is where it gets a little hurtful. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. In the scheme of eternity, in the eye of eternity, in the history of this world, it's true. What he's saying is, is he says, don't, don't go around saying, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. One, you don't know what tomorrow holds. And, and come on. You're here today. Go on tomorrow. We don't know, at least our physical life, not our eternal. But then he says, instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. Hang on to our plans loosely, our goals loosely. It doesn't mean don't have them. It just means always submit them to, not my will, but yours be done, God. Always be open to him adjusting. Keep your thinking and your ideas open to him. Keep your calendar open. You ever had God kind of come in and interrupt your calendar? I've had him do it a lot. Every time he does, good things happen. Your budget, your plans. Hang on to your plans and goals loosely. Leave room for God to work. And this all happens one decision at a time. Last thing, and I'll wrap with this. Here we go. And this I really want you to hear. Make him and his plan the only non-negotiable. This is is where it gets very real for us, folks. Make him and his plan the only non-negotiable. Everything else is negotiable. Not him. Not my following of him. and My relationship with him. Not his plan. He is the only non-negotiable. Negotiable. Everything else is subordinate to his calling, his leading, his plan. Everything. That job that you have, it's negotiable. I've had people talk to me and say, gee, you know, I really can't, I can't do this. I think God wants me to do it, but I just can't because I got this job. And I I know he wants me to go this. I know he wants me to do this, but I can't because the job. Let me just stop and give you a little advice. Get a different job. If you know God is saying this, and the job is keeping you from doing it, get a different job. Because God's plan for your life involves all of it. And if He's leading you somewhere that your job won't allow you, get a different job. He's got something for you there. Trust Him. Like, like, well, I think God's leading me to do these things, but I can't. I got the house and I got to maintain the house. I got to sell the house. Oh, I can't sell the house. <laughs> that, that's the house. I can't. We, we, can't. we can't sell the house. So you're going to tell God no. Are you serious? You're basically saying, my discipleship, my following of Jesus, my, my built, letting God build his master plan in my life is stopped now because of the house. That's the wrong non-negotiable, folks. It's the wrong non-negotiable. With our kids, I've seen it. I have seen it over and over and over. I've seen it to, to actually people that I care about. It's heartbreak where as they're raising their kids, when they're real little, it's easy and it's fine, but then their kids get involved in sports or some, some activity, and all of a sudden they can't, be, they can't be at youth group, they can't be at church, they can't be at things, well, because they're really good, and the coach says, and we got to commit, and so we're, we, everything's about the sport, and we're gone every weekend now, and we're traveling, so yeah, we'll get there sometime. And, and then they wonder, and I've seen it happen, folks, I, faces and names of people I care about. The kids are raised, and now they're no longer in the sport, they've graduated, but they're not serving the Lord, and they're not taking their kids to be a part of Christian community. and And the parents are like, "What happened? We raised them in church." I'm like, "Well, I was there. You kind of did and didn't. I mean, really. It, it, it requires some tough decisions. Think about it. Seriously, I've seen us organize our lives around the athletics or the arts or even academics. Remember something? And Lori and I had to make this decision, just like every other set of parents." Our kids were involved in, they were were academics, they were involved in athletics, they were involved in the arts, all of them. And I recognize I'm not raising an academic, I'm raising a follower of Jesus. I hope they will pursue academics their whole life. And they do, and I hope they will continue. That they will continue to learn, to read, to grow intellectually and academically. I hope so. And I hope that they continue to enjoy athletics and continue to be a part of that, but but I'm know i not raising an athlete. We've all seen, even if they become a professional athlete, which I hate to tell you folks, most of them won't, but even if they do, even if they do, we've seen what can happen to a professional athlete when the core of their life is skewed. And all the money, all the fame, and all of it won't make a bit of difference, and they totally can implode. Just like the arts, just like actors and actresses, or musicians, or whatever you want to say. I'm not raising artists. I'm not raising athletes. I'm not raising academics. I'm raising followers of Jesus. And so are you. And if we will put him first, let me just tell you, the athletics are better. They have, a, they have a healthy place in our life. And they become a blessing and not a curse. The academics are better. They become a blessing. And not just pride and arrogance, the way the scripture says knowledge can pop up. They become something much more. They become fuller and real. The arts are a blessing, an expression of something from a core of a person who knows they're in alignment with their creator. See, at some point, all that stuff's going to fade. But following Jesus, being a part of the body of Christ, being part of Christian community, that's forever. That's forever. Don't ever forget that. We, we get caught up in the wrong non-negotiables. Don't let the culture tell us. We think, oh, the, the, with our kids especially, there's a system. The system, you just put your kids in the system and they'll come out. The system can't be wrong, can it? It sounds crazy even as I say it. And yet I can't tell you how many of us just stick our kids in the system and hope it's going to work out fine. What possibly could go wrong? No, we got to be people who say, no, no, the one non-negotiable is him, his leadership, his plan, our discipleship following Jesus, everything else is up for discussion, not him, not that. And if we do, his life that he offers is good. That's where Jesus is talking about the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. The question is, do you trust him? Do you trust him enough to say yes?
0: That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in this series, Master Plan available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our contact us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210 490 5262 as Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life.